Amen. Well, that's, that's a great truth in that song. Thank you, Miss Dana. We appreciate that. What an encouragement that he sees what we don't. Actually, uh, my wife and I were having a conversation kind of like that on the way to church this morning. Just talking about the goodness of God, how that he, he, he plans and he orchestrates in our lives when, when we don't even know there's a need to work. He's already at work. And uh, thank God for that. Amen. That's what makes God so good. And uh, we thank him for it. Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's open the Word of God together to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, and we'll look at a very familiar passage of Scripture this morning and then draw some thoughts from from God's Word concerning that. Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to look at just one verse. When you find your place, we're going to look at verse 12. All right, so once you've found that, if you'll stand with us, we'll have prayer together. And then we'll read that verse, all right? Hebrews 4, 12. Let's pray together. Father, how we love you today and how we once again thank you for your word. Lord, it's good to know that we have a guide through this life. We have the written word of God that we have the privilege of holding in our hands today, and we thank you for it. We ask, Lord, that as we read your word and as we contemplate the the passage and the meaning of the word of God today, that you just speak to our hearts. Guide our thoughts. Lord, make the message personal. Apply it to our lives. Show us what you'd have us do. And Lord, we thank you in advance for all that you're going to do among us today. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says in verse 12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. One more time, we'll read verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Thank you. You may be seated. The word of God. If you're in the habit of marking in your Bible today, I would encourage you to underline that expression, the word of God. The Word of God. We know of the Word of God, being in His house, being in His family, being a part of the family of God. We know the Word of God, and we hold it dear. We hold it in our lap today. You know, that's something that the world needs to know more of, the Word of God. We have the privilege of being, uh, of living in, in a country that was heavily influenced by the Christian faith. There are so many things in our society that came about because of Christianity. I mean, we couldn't list them all if we just, uh, if we tried today, we, we wouldn't list them all. But it is evident that we were a Bible-reading people, at least at one time, because of the daily expressions that people use that are found in the Word of God. Expressions like, His day is coming. Expressions like, what goes around and comes around. It's the law of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. Things like, uh, you know, A drop in the bucket. (laughs) These are all expressions that you can find in the Bible. And it's just another reminder among the many that already exist uh, among, among our monuments and documents and all of those things of the presence of the Word of God and how God and how Christianity influenced uh, our society as a whole. Thank God for that. America is, is who she is because of where she came from and because of the God that we serve. 
And, you know, there are some who want to deny the existence of God. They want to get away from the reputation of being a Christian nation, uh, a city on a hill, the light of the world. But, but they cannot deny where America came from. And we praise God for that, the word of God. So today I want us to think about the word of God. I want us to think about how important the word of God is, why the Bible is so important. And today I'm sure we could give, we could give more, I suppose, but I want to give you six reasons why the Bible is so important. And if you're in the habit of taking notes, you can write those down. We'll start with number one, the word of God. Why is the Bible so important? Number one, because it is God's word. This book that we hold in our lap today, we have the privilege of carrying around. And by the way, it is a privilege. Not everyone on this planet that we occupy has the privilege of holding this book that you hold in their hands. They don't have the privilege of reading the Word of God in their language. And there are many today who consider it their life's calling to work to that end, to provide means that people might have this book there are people that are giving their lives wholly to that cause of giving this book in their native language to people around the world because it is the Word of God. And what a great need that meets by providing the Word of God to people around the world. You know, the Bible claims to be the Word of God. No other book uh, makes such claims. The Bible tells us that it is the Word of God. A couple of verses come to mind. Second Peter Chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 tell us where this book came from. It says there, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So this book isn't just full of man's ideas. There are some critics who, who say that. And I'll give you a challenge. The Bible was written by over 40 men, we can't put an exact number on it because we're not sure exactly who wrote some of the books. But let's just say over 40 men, you can take the number 40. 40 men, God spoke through them, they wrote down his words, they gave us the Bible. The Bible completely agrees with each other. Despite the fact that some people say it has contradictions, all of those contradictions have explanations it's really a matter of perspective. If you understand what God's message is, you don't see the contradictions because they're not there. But if you're looking to find fault, you can usually find it no matter where you look. Let's say this. God used 40 men to pen his word. They all agreed. Prophecies that were given hundreds, even thousands of years ago have come to pass already. Some were still waiting to come to pass. God's word has been accurate and true every time, historically, scientifically, spiritually, etc. So I'll give you a challenge. If, you, if you're, you run into a skeptic that doesn't believe in God's word, okay, let me ask you. You get 40 people to agree about everything they write down. <laughs> and let's read that book. <laughs> you're right, it ain't going to happen. Where do you ever get 40 people to agree on anything? Right? Hey, y'all saying uh, y'all were telling me about the ball game. Who was playing? LSU and Alabama. Who won? Okay, Alabama won. How many of y'all LSU fans? 
Only a couple? <laughs> Do we got any Alabama fans in the room? Anybody Alabama fan? I could be. I was born there, but I'm not really a sports fan. I told the guys, hey, I, I root for the winner, you know what I mean? So, hey, I, I'm always on the winning side that way. But anyway, you see what I'm saying? You, you, you could put a post it on Facebook, uh, LSU's the greatest. Well, there's always people that are going to come back with something else, right? Why? Because we don't agree on that. It's hard for people to agree on everything all the time. So look at the miracle of the Word of God when 40 different men wrote about things concerning Jesus Christ and they all agree. What a message. Hey, only God could do that. Especially when, I'll just add some levels to the challenge, all right? Especially when the 40 men didn't all know each other. They didn't know what each other wrote. Hey, and get this, they didn't all live during the same time period. Oh, wow, that, you talk about a multi-level challenge. Try that on for size and see if you can accomplish the same thing. It's impossible. So that's what Peter was telling us. These were men who were moved by the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, to write what was given. This is the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. I like that word furnished. You know, that verse tells us that not only is this book divine, it's the word of God. It was given by inspiration. But guess what? Because this is a divine book, because this is a living book, Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is quick. That word quick means alive. Because this is a living word, you know what it does? It furnishes us. The Bible says that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. If you were going to rent an apartment and they said this one is furnished, what would that mean? It would mean that it comes with everything you need to live there. Furniture, appliances, right? It's furnished. The Bible, God said, the Bible furnishes us, right, to live the Christian life, to walk his way, and to do his will. So you, you, need to, you just need to write the two words down on a sheet of paper, I can't, and then wad that up and throw it in the trash can. Because the Bible doesn't give you a message of I can't. The Bible gives you a message of I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me? Why? Because it furnishes us. God's word builds within you everything you need to do his will. That just pulled the rug out from under all our excuses, didn't it? <laughs> but it's real. God's word furnishes us because it's God's word. It's like no other book that's ever been written more powerful than a locomotive, right? <laughs> able to leap tall, tall critics in a single bound. It's the word of God. God's word is amazing. The Bible is so important because it is God's word, but number two, because not only is it God's word, it's the written revelation of God himself. God revealed himself to the world first by his word. Think about that. His words were spoken and it came to pass. That's how it began in the beginning, right? God spoke, and then it happened. God's word revealed who he was. 
Then, of course, later we had Jesus Christ coming on the scene. The Bible says the Word was made flesh. What does that mean? The one in the beginning who spoke the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The source, the Word himself, he came. Notice what the Bible says. You can turn to John 1.1, and the Bible says it right there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Wow. In the beginning. So God is revealing things to us through his Word. What is revelation? Revelation is stuff that we would not otherwise know without God telling it. God gave us information that we did not have and could not find. We would not know this if God didn't tell us. That's revelation. And God reveals to us about the beginning. God reveals to us who he is and what he did for us. And then, of course, he came and appeared. Think about that. Not only did Jesus Christ physically appear on this earth 2,000 years ago, he lived and died with a purpose. He died so that we might be saved. But captured in the word of God, because the word wasn't completed then, captured in the word of God is the record of all of that. So that you and I have the revelation of Jesus Christ, not only who he was, but who he will be when he comes again. Oh yeah, mark it down. As sure as he came the first time, he's coming again the second time. And since God's word has been right on every other occasion, you can take it to the bank that it is right concerning the second coming of Christ. Jesus is coming again. And the world will once again see him. You see, the Bible reveals God himself. Revelation 19, 13 is a description of Jesus in his second coming. And it gives us a little description of him, his person. One of those verses says, And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. It's a picture of Jesus. As he rides on the horse of victory, he's coming in to take over the nations of the world. Psalm 138 verse 2 says, Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. You know what that does? That makes the word of God very important because God set the priority. God said, this is that important. He put it above his name. Think about that. You know, old timers used to say, your word is your name. Your word's your bond, right? It was before the day of paper contracts and legal signatures and all of that and witnesses. You didn't need all that. All you need to do is shake a man's hand. His word was his name. It was his bond. The Lord puts that kind of value on his word. And you can take it to the bank. He's no liar. God will do what he said he will do. Just as he has, and certainly he will. Think about that. The Bible is so important because it's the word of God, because it's God's revelation of himself. Number three, because it contains the commandments of of God. I didn't write them all down. We don't want to spend all day going through the commandments of God, but you know what I'm talking about. We, we understand God's expectations. We learn about the righteousness of our God, that he is holy, that he is just, that he is righteous, 
we learn all of that through the Old Testament commandments that were given. By the way, many of them were repeated in the New Testament, the 10 especially from Exodus chapter 20. The Bible is, is the record where we have, Thus saith the Lord, as the cries of the prophets were given, and the word of God was heralded forth. We know, thus saith the Lord, because of his word. We know that God speaks on important issues and events and that we need to have ears to hear, as Jesus said, to the churches. We need to have ears that are willing to hear what God has to say about the issues of life and the present-day uh, circumstances and the, and the like. Especially as believers, don't you think that you and I ought to be supporting God's view of the world? Don't you think we ought to be standing on God's side of the issue, whatever that is? Hey, when we go in the voting box, don't you think our vote should reflect Christian values and what God thinks to be true about life and the world we live in? As lights in the world, that is our duty. That's our calling to represent God in a dark place, to shine his light among men. And the way we do it is by siding with God, believing what our Lord said about whatever the subject matter is. That's why we need to know this book. That's why we need to read this book. We need to understand it. We need to know what God's heartbeat is for. We need to know what God values, what he holds in high esteem, and what he doesn't. Amen? The word of God gives us the commandments. It gives us the thou shouts and the thou shalt nots. And guess what? There are some knots. There are some things that we should not do. The Bible says thou shalt not over and over again. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. We need to know what those are. It's, it's really interesting. You can get on YouTube and you can go through there and you can find videos of people interviewing some professing Christians. And they, had, they know more about beer commercials than they do the Bible. They can tell you every name and every label, but they cannot name more than three of the commandments. Hey, something's wrong with that. I believe we ought to be culturally relevant. There's no doubt. But listen, when we know more about worldliness than we do godliness, then, hey, listen, we're in trouble today. You know, before we curse the darkness, wouldn't it be a good idea to just turn on the light? God help us. We need to get back to this book, and we need to get in the Word of God. We need to get our face out of Facebook and put our face in God's book, and guess what? We, we might have some better days coming. This is the Word of God. God is the one who teaches us about absolute truth, and I don't care what the world says. There is absolute truth. It's absolutely true when they want you to believe it. Guess what? Truth takes no sides. It is. Simply put. In Exodus chapter 20, you have the introduction of the Ten Commandments, and I was going to take a little time there, but I've already used it. Go through and read them. Make a list of the Ten Commandments in order. You'll find out the first one says that we should love God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and strength. Guess what? Until you do that, you're going to have a hard time with all the rest of that. 
God comes first. That's right. It starts with loving God. Hey, you know why John said his commandments are not grievous? Because he already said we love him because he first loved us. When you fall in love with God, there's nothing you'll find in this book that will grieve you. The question goes back to, do you love God? And I'm going to tell you what, every problem we have in the Christian life comes from that. If we don't love God like we should, that's the beginning of any and all of our other problems. Amen. Number four, the Bible is so important because it guides my life. Have you ever heard anybody say, too bad life didn't come with an instruction manual? (laughs) I've been there. I've said it. God gave it to us. Now, it's not worded like we would like for it to be. You know, it doesn't say you're going to live here and marry them and do this, and this is your career. You know, you can't go to page 42 and find your career. Well, you wouldn't need faith if it was written like that. Right? Look, God wrote the Bible in such a way that you have to search for him in order to find him. You have to seek him. You've got to dig a little bit. Hey, you want the value? Uh, you want the gold nuggets of truth? Guess what? You've got you to gotta mine for those. You've got to dig for those. You've got to spend a little time here. You can't just glance at the page, read it like you do the newspaper, check the box, and say, okay, I got it. Learning the Bible requires a little more effort than that. You know what I'm saying? And if you've ever really spent time, quality time in your devotions, you understand exactly what I'm saying. That it's not, impo- it's not so important how much of the Bible you read. Rather, it's more important how much of you the Bible is reading. Because when we come to the Word of God, often, like Brother James taught, it's just kind of like a mirror where God begins to show us ourselves. And in the text we read this morning, Hebrews 4, 12, the Bible discerns, doesn't it, way down deep the thoughts and intents of our heart. And often it's the word of God that God uses to guide us to know when our ways are right and when they're wrong, when our motives are right and when they're wrong, when our intentions are good and when they're not so good. And isn't it the word of God that reveals and directs and shows us the danger of self? There is a way, the Bible says, that seemeth right to a man. It feels good. It seems right. But the end thereof are the ways of death. And God warns us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Don't sit here this morning and say, I know my heart. No, you don't. That's why Peter said to Jesus, oh, not me. I'll never deny you. (laughs) And he turned around and denied him three times. You know, the the truth is, we don't even know until, until we understand the message of God's word about the flesh. We don't even know what we're capable of. And that's why often we look a lot like the Pharisees because we sit in judgment of others. We judge other people by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. 
right? Hey, that's a double standard from the beginning. That'll never work. That's why Jesus said, before you can help your brother, you know, with the beam in his eye, you've got to get the mode out of yours. There's got to be some self-diagnosis, and that has to happen first. And I have found, usually, if you're doing a good job in that area, you don't have time to help other people figure out their problems because you're too busy working on your own. God's Word guides my life. The Bible says in Psalm 199, 105, 199, that's not right, that's a typo. Psalm 119, 105, that's right. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Isn't that something? It starts at the feet. Did you notice that? Thy word is a lamp to my feet. And it lights up my path, but how does it do that? One step at a time. Isn't that usually how God works? He doesn't show you where you're going to be next year. He just shows you the next step. You've got to have enough faith to take the next step and the sequence of steps after that to ever know where you're going to be next year. You're really not going to know that until till next year. See, why is that? Why doesn't God show us way down the road where he's taking us? I'm afraid that if we saw everything we're going to go through, we'd be too scared to take the next step. Our faith is that small. And so God, just like a lantern, like a lamp, he lights just enough for us to see where we're going. And the rest, we have to trust him for. Isn't that right? But the word of God does give that kind of guidance. If we know the word of God and we know how to apply it to life, God gives us principles in his word. And you see, he doesn't say go to page 42 and this is the career you're going to have. But he gives us principles that we can use that we, when we get to the fork in the road, should I take this job or this job? We can use those principles to guide us to make that decision. Right? It takes a little self-awareness and it takes some God-awareness. But if we have that, then we can use his word and we know what to do. Oh, that's good, isn't it? That's why the Bible says it's new every morning, fresh every day. We come to God's word over and over. God guides us. God directs us with the words that he's given. Proverbs 4, 26 and 27 says, Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Look, we don't even know what evil is until we come to the word of God. We don't know what right and left is until God... And his word become our compass. It becomes our guide. The Bible is so important because it's the word of God, because it's God revealing himself, because it contains the commandments of God, because it guides my life. And number five, because God will one day judge the world by this book. Hey, I'm telling you, people who don't know the Bible they're going to be in a world of hurt because one day God's going to open this book and he's going to judge them by it. There's a lot of people that I've met and when I ask them, do you know the Lord is your Savior? If you died, would you go to heaven? And they say, oh yeah. And I say, great, man, that's good. How, how do you know? Well, because I'm, you know, I'm pretty good. I, I, never, I never killed anybody. I'm working hard, I'm trying, I'm being a good person. 
several verses often come to mind, but let me show you a couple. Look at Romans chapter 3. If you're working your way to heaven, if you're trying to be good enough to get there, then you're going to face this. There's only two paths to take to heaven. One of them, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, is, is that path of do. Do this, do that, do this, right? We're always trying to do enough to get there. We're trying to earn our way. We're trying to be good enough. If you're in that category, then God is one day going to judge you by your works. The other category is done. It's when we realize because of what the Bible says, I can never be good enough. And so I'm going to stop believing that. And I'm going to start believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for my sin because I couldn't. Because if it depended on me, I'd never make it. So Jesus died for me. And now I'm going to embrace him and receive him as my Savior. Done. He did it. If I get to heaven, it's going to be because of who he is, not because of who I am. Two categories. If you're trying to be good enough to get there, look what the Bible says. Romans chapter 3, look at verse 19. The Bible says, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be what? Stop. And that all the world may become guilty before God. Those who are trying to be good enough and those who think their goodness is going to get them to heaven, that's what's going to happen to them. They're going to stand before God one day. God's going to judge them by their works. He's going to name them. They're going to be speechless because for the first time, they're going to realize it's not good enough. They're going to realize for the first time they're guilty before a holy God. And it's too late. Notice what the next verse says, verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Why? For by the law is the knowledge of what? Sin. You can underline that and write out in the margin the reason for the Old Testament. The Bible says, the Apostle Paul told us, the law is our schoolmaster bringing us to Christ. What does the law teach us? The commandments of God, what do they teach us? They teach us that God is holy and that his expectation is perfection. They teach us that I'm sinful and I'll never make it on those terms. The law teaches me that I need Jesus. He is my only hope because all of my righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of God. That's what the law teaches us. So guess what? Those who die one day going to heaven thinking they're going to make it because they've been good. Are they in for a surprise? And it shouldn't be a shock because we should be telling them that now. We have the verses to show them now. Let's show them. Psalm 96, 13 says, Before the Lord he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. Turn to Revelation chapter 20. In Revelation 20, 
two verses in particular. Verse 12. The Bible says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. Notice that's plural, books. What books? What books is God going to open on Judgment Day? The, the books were opened. Well, we don't have a list. It doesn't tell us all of them. But because of the other verses, like the ones I've been reading, you can, you can put right there, the Bible will be one of those books. But there's another book. Notice it says, And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their what? Their works. This is a passage talking about the great white throne judgment of God. This is the judgment of the lost. The lost are going to be judged by their works. God is going to condemn them by their own works. And he's going to show them how guilty they are. None of them at this judgment will see heaven. Why? The Bible says in verse 15, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Those are names of people who know Jesus. Do you get the picture? All these standing in this judgment are here because they think they're good. And so by their works, God is going to condemn them. Their mouths will be stopped. They're going to realize they're guilty. And when he goes to the book of life, their name is not found. Why? Because they don't know Jesus. They didn't receive Jesus. They thought they didn't need that because they're pretty good after all. Right? They're going to find that they are sincerely and sadly mistaken. The Bible says they will be cast into hellfire. Why? Not because they sinned. We all sinned. But because they missed the only hope of life. They never received Jesus Christ as their Savior. Their name was not found in the book of life. Wow. You see, God is going to judge the world one day by this book. If we put this passage together with Romans chapter 3, it's very clear that God is going to use his word to show people how short they come of heaven, of being righteous, of being good. Isn't that what the Bible says? For all have sinned and come what? Short of the glory of God. And hey, I don't care if you miss it by an inch or if you miss it by 10 miles, you still missed. Isn't that right? Hey, let's, let's, let's try to help people around us not miss it when it comes to heaven. Let's tell them before it's too late. Number six, why is the Bible so important? Because it gives us the way of salvation. I know we here in this room know this, but the Bible reveals to us that Jesus is the only way of salvation. Why is Jesus the only way? Because we're not good enough. Because there's nothing, no amount of goodness that we could ever do to make us worthy of heaven. And I'll tell you why. It all boils down to this. Brother James said concerning the law, if you've offended in one point, you're guilty of all. You can't say, well, I keep seven out of the ten commandments. Not good enough. God's standard is holiness. It's perfection. You either do them all or you don't. 
So Brother James was pretty clear. You offend in one point, you're guilty. Guess what? We, we've all offended. The Bible says all have sinned. So when we understand we're a sinner, it compels us to come to Christ for salvation because he alone, because he made the payment on the cross, he alone has the authority to forgive sins because he made the payment. Look, Christmas is coming up, right? And what's going to happen? You're going to go shop and you're going to find a gift. You have somebody in mind. You find a gift. You go to the cash register and they say, oh, is that a Christmas gift? Hey, that's free then. Is that how it works? Oh, no. Gift or no gift, when you get to the cash register, you are going to make a payment. You're going to pay in full for this, whatever it is, right? And then, because you made that payment, now you have the authority that you can leave that store, wrap that gift, and you can give it to whoever you want freely. Isn't that right? Hey, that's what Jesus did for us. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus paid the price of sin. He died on the cross in our place. And then he went to heaven. He made the payment in heaven. Now he has the authority to give eternal life to whoever he wants. And the Bible says God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Jesus extends the offer to all mankind to believe on him and be saved. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. But he does leave the choice to them. Now, I've never had it happen to me, but I've heard of it happening. I've never purchased the gift and extended it to someone only to have them reject it. Now, I don't need that. No, thanks. That's never happened to me. But I've heard of it happening. It has happened to Jesus. Because the Bible says he paid the price of all mankind, yet we know not everyone has received his gift, nor will they. There are some who say, I don't need that. Christianity's for losers, weak-minded people. Oh, yeah, that's because you've never been one. People who say that don't know what they're talking about. You try it on for change. You try it on for size. You try loving your enemy and praying for those that despitefully use you, and then tell me Christians for weak people. <laughs> it's not weakness, brother. It's strength that it requires to do those kind of things. <clears throat> to love like God loves. Who can do that? John 14, 6 says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts 4.12 Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. 1 John 5.11 and 12 And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. The Bible is so important because it is the record of salvation. It tells us of Jesus Christ. It gives us the way of salvation. So he that hath the Son hath life. That means there has to be a time and place when you get it. You finally understand that you can't do it, and you come to Jesus who can, 
and you ask him to save you. When you talk to people about Jesus, you need to ask them, has there been a specific time and place when you've made that decision? If you have the son, then there had to be a time when you received the son. When was that? The Bible says in John 1.12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The word power there means authority. In other words, you have the right to say, I'm a child of God, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. You have that right, you have that authority once you have received Christ. Because when you do that, he gives you eternal life. Wow, isn't that good? Man, that's better than Christmas. <laughs> that's like Christmas every day, knowing Jesus. It's that good. And you know what? This book is that good. And it's that important. The Bible is so important because it gives us the way of salvation. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, how we love you today and how we love your word. Thank you, Lord, for telling us about Jesus that we might know that we can be saved. Thank you for having a written record, for giving us the word of God. We'd, we'd not know your words any other way. Thank you for revealing truth to us, giving us commandments, teaching us the difference between right and wrong. Lord, this world today is present proof that we would not know right from wrong if we didn't know you and your word. Lord, thank you for guiding our lives and giving us principles, truth to guide us, to make decisions, to know what to do, because sometimes it's just difficult. Thank you, Lord, for having a standard Lord, you are consistent, you're faithful and true. And one day you will judge the world by this book. You've given it to us in advance so that we can prepare for that, so that we can know what's coming. Lord, how fair and right that is. We thank you for that. And we pray you'd help us as we spread the love of God, the message of salvation to all mankind. And Lord, we pray, our prayer is that they would believe. So work in us and work through us to use your word in a mighty way in our world. And we do thank you in advance, Lord, for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's stand together. If God's speaking to your heart this morning, maybe there's some matter that you need to take care of. Would you find time? Would you make time right now to talk to God about that? If you need to come to a front pew or an old-fashioned altar, just make an altar out of these steps. You're welcome to do that. Take a moment and respond. We call this the invitation. And I'm inviting you this morning to make God's word important in your life. Maybe you need to renew your commitment to read God's word, to study it, to memorize it or learn it. God's word is so good. It's so important. Maybe you need to renew your commitment to follow it, to live by it. Instead of just doing what we think, what we feel, let's make sure we're doing what God thinks, following what God feels. All the world would be in a much better place if everyone in it knew Jesus like we know him. That'll only happen if you and I are faithful followers. We have to lead the way, give them an example, show them what to do. May God help us to be good examples 
lights in a, in a dark world with our candles on a hill and not under a bushel. My, how he loves to have it so. He gave us his word for our help and that we might help others also. Praise God for that. Thank you so much. All right. God bless you. It's been a great service, a great time of fellowship and singing. We sure appreciate you being here. Thank you for coming out and being part of our worship today. God bless you so much. Brother Richard, would you come and close us with our announcements and a, and a word of prayer here at the end? And uh, we cer- certainly want to make sure we're mindful of these. So, hey, we're giving them to you as you go so they're fresh on your mind, right? God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you, brother.